What's your favorite cereal? Cereal, like breakfast cereal? Yeah. I don't know, say Raisin Bran. Raisin Bran, yeah. Okay. What about you, Wes? What's your favorite? Frosted Flakes go. Your traditional flakes with a little bit of sugar. Yeah. Do you ever add sugar to like cornflakes or anything like no. that? Rice Krispie treats. I mean, Rice Krispies. I did. Mm-hmm. I did too. We yeah. took a cereal that was good for us and we loaded it with sugar. Because only my mom ate it. Because <laughs> like, it was it was very bland. Yeah. Now if I'd have had vanilla almond milk, mm. I might have changed. I it. love vanilla almond milk. I might have changed it. No, yeah. put sugar there, sisters. <laughs> yeah. We don't buy almond milk anymore. I'm trying to convert him. Emma's bought in. She's small. I don't know how, how almonds make milk. <laughs> this is, I just haven't figured that out. Yeah. That's right. Let me tell you, I don't know much about biology, but that ain't milk. <laughs> it's something. It's something. But it, but it ain't milk. But it never ruins. Yeah. So that, I think I'm skeptical of anything that doesn't go bad. It doesn't go bad. everybody, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Jody. And this is the Unremarkable Podcast. Thanks for joining us for a new week. This is season two. Season two. Episode three. And we are here with some of our dear friends. Actually, we are in Tegucigalpa, Honduras right now. We're on location. On location. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it may sound like there's a live crowd that is here with us, but those are just the people that own the place we're staying, it's walking back and forth by the window. It's just the parrot. There's a, a loud parrot that was really unhappy this morning. <laughs> Uh, at about 6.30, she was unhappy. Yes, she was uh, telling the news. But anyway, so we're here with some very special guests. Why don't you tell everybody who you are? Uh, I'm Wes Jones. I'm Renee Jones. And Wes, what is it that you do here in Tegucigalpa and back in the States? Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I'm the Director of Mission Development for MDM Honduras, and uh, I'm responsible for facilitating mission teams to uh, Honduras. Excellent. And um, before you got into facilitating missions teams... What, what were you doing before that? Uh, I was a bivocational pastor. I worked uh, in cardiology with a private cardiology practice as well as pastoring uh, Southern Baptist Church. There you go. And you pastor a church where and, and that sort of thing? Uh, I pastored three different churches. My first church while I was uh, in Bible college was a small church called Union Chapel and was there for two years. Uh, went to uh, another church, uh, Fernbank Baptist, was there for five years, and then the last church I served was Community Baptist in Columbus, Mississippi, and we served there for 10 years. 10 years. Wow, that's a long time. It is. Uh, that's awesome. In, in the world where we're starting to see, kind of, I guess, average 10 years of pastors maybe get a little longer, um, it, you know, it used to be, what, two and a half years or two years was the average tenure of a pastor mm-hmm. in the church? Right. Man, um, so that's awesome. Ten years. And uh, Renee, why don't you tell us about your family and how maybe tell us about your family and how you met Wes? <laughs> well, I'm an oncology nurse and uh, we have four children together. Uh, two I had when I met Wes and Wes became their daddy. And then we have two together and then um, we uh, have seven grandchildren with an additional one coming in, J- in January of 2020. Wow. Um, give me give me a rundown real quick on the ages of grandkids. Grandkids, the oldest will, is 15 all the way down to two. And then the newborn coming. Yeah. And the newborn. Tell me about this because my parents changed <laughs> when we had kids. They ceased being the people that raised me. <laughs> Did that did that happen to y'all too? Did, did something it, it, change? It's been pretty it's been pretty unique. Um, when when uh, just just a real quick background to our story, um, Renee and I met uniquely. Um, she was in a car accident, and I helped pull her out of the wrecked car. She was pinned in, and didn't know it was her. And then I went off to EMT school and came back, and started working at the hospital, and and then we started talking. How about that? And. Um, Anyway, God worked it out to put us together, and so um, uh, we got married, and then she put me through college, and then the Lord blessed us with two boys. That's awesome. And so we uh, <clears throat> we enjoyed uh, we enjoyed family. Uh, we did. Uh, we were very active in church. We enjoyed sports. Our boys played. Our younger our boys played. 
um, all sports. And then our oldest son uh, was a race car driver, started driving dirt track cars at about 15 years old. And then... Um, and then our daughter was a cheerleader, and so we 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 enjoyed we enjoyed family. But uh, when our youngest son Will went off to college uh, last year in Mobile, uh, it it became a new it became something new for us. It became a new norm, and uh, we got we it was kind of odd at first the house being so quiet, but then we kind of got used to it and. Uh, we could just kind of go when we wanted to, and so it was pretty. It was yeah. it was it was different, but it was neat. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talk a lot about divine appointments in Honduras. Uh, that I mean, it sounds like the way you met was just completely a divine appointment. It was very divine. Very That's divine. really cool. That's quite neat. Now, Renee, when you met Wes, uh, and you guys started talking and dating and all of that kind of stuff. Did you know that he was he was going to be pastoring churches? Were you already pastoring churches? No, no. no. So you were just working in you were, you were working in the hospital and 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 helping people and saving lives. She, and, she didn't marry a preacher. She, yeah, she married a basic EMT that was fixing to start X-ray school, and so she got when we got married. She knew she was going to have to put me through college, and she she was a Trojan. She worked hard and put me through college and we had a plan to when I got out of college to uh, let her uh, be mama and let her enjoy some time Uh, and so divinely the Lord after I had been out of college a couple of years the Lord allowed us an opportunity to go to Amarillo Texas which is the end of the world and um, and so uh, we went out there for two years and um, we think God sent us there for the very purpose of getting away from uh, uh, friends, family, bad mm-hmm. influences, and uh, we learned to depend on one another yeah. and got real active in a church and we grew spiritually. Uh, and so um, that, that was just a, that was a pretty neat time uh, for us. Do you know what church you got plugged in in Amarillo? Coulter Road Baptist Church. Okay, because we um, we actually, one of the couples we interviewed is currently serving in Amarillo yeah. right now, so I thought, wouldn't that be ironic if you guys had gone to the church they're serving at now? We actually, we actually tried uh, San Jacinto, which was this huge church, and being from the rural south, it didn't fit us. So <laughs> not so much. So, uh, now, you live in Alabama. I do. Worked for a long time in Mississippi. Correct. So you're right there on the state line. Right. Uh, but you're not you're not a, a tiger or a tiger, right? That's right. I'm a Mississippi State Bulldog fan. Well, thankfully we can both agree to Uh-oh. hate Alabama. And what? Wait, no, Renee? We is don't hate Alabama. We don't. No. Oh, we, we have too many neighbors that are Alabama no, fans. No, we 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 yell roll tide. Yes, I love it. Well, so. you can't live that close to Tuscaloosa and not roll tide. Now, two women that are so saintly can have such a bad taste in football. Amen, brother. You know what I'm Anyway, it's okay. So, so tell me about when. So you guys went away. We experienced it similarly when we yeah. we got married, and we were married about seven months, and we moved off to Texas as well, and we felt like that's when we really found um, a, a family because we were no family to help us with anything. It was just us. Um, when he decided to pursue ministry, um, how did you? How did y'all come to that decision? How did that come? Like when you decided to do Bible college, or when you? Decided, how did that unfold? Well, it was. It was a. It was. Diff- <laughs> now Renee laughed, so we made. It was difficult. Uh, I, I struggled with it because. I, I didn't want to. I mean, I I was on a career ladder. I was doing very well. I was very successful at the hospital. Um, and I was walking the ladder, and those were my aspirations. And so uh, when God began to call me into ministry, I was pretty hard-headed. And so uh, God in His sovereignty knew how hard-headed I was, and so He began to impress upon her heart. And uh, I guess one of the... We, we had... Um, we had a very unique situation happen to us that was, if, if you remember Blackaby's study, Experiencing God, the crisis of belief that he talked about, mm-hmm. um, we, uh, I had a, an amazing job offer in, in Atlanta. And so uh, we went over there for an interview. And um, while this, this company uh, was super awesome, and so um, we went, had a meeting with their CEO, and uh, he, uh, he said, let's pray before we open the meeting. And he prayed, and we went to lunch, and he asked the blessing over the food. And I was like, oh, this is what God wants me to do. And so 
uh, it was they offered me a lot of money, and so um, it was it was just this great opportunity. And I'm running from God at that point, and so um, that um, I, I come in from the job interview, and I pull my change out of my pocket. I had a glass ring on. I laid it in the ashtray in the room, and then we took off to the water park. And um, while we were at the water park, um, our two-year-old Tyler come up missing. Uh, yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those no. moments. Well, he really wasn't missing. I, I was supposed to be watching him, and I turned my back, and he took off with his mama, and I didn't know that he was gone. And so it was very, it was very frightening. And I was running, I was running around the kiddie pool, turning kids over with blonde hair to see if it was my youngin'. Uh, and then, of course, they finally come back, and I'm relieved and. And so we came in, we took a quick shower, went to a Braves game. We were sitting at the game, and I realized I didn't put my class ring back on. And so um, we, uh, we, we come back to the room that night, and we, I knew where I'd laid it. I remember taking it off. And, and so we, we went through all of our luggage. We, I took the suit off I was wearing, turned pockets inside out. And, uh, and so anyway, so I, I called the front desk and did the report and and I was laying in bed that night and um, you know and I was just I was doing that pity party thing with God um, and so and it, God spoke so clearly and he said um, well, I, I just said you know Lord I, I can't believe I've, I've lost my my class ring and God spoke to me so clearly and said well it's a good thing when your son and um, mm. and that was very humbling um, and so anyway, so we loaded the kids up early the next morning, and um, the kids were laying down about in the back of the Suburban asleep, and I thought Renee was asleep, and we're driving down the road, and she looked over at me, and she said, you know that God's calling you into ministry, and I wanted to slam on the brakes and put her out. <laughs> and, and, Stop running. And, and so anyway, <clears throat> she said on the way home, she said, well, you know, what's it going to take for God to prove to you? that he's calling you mm-hmm. and all I could think about was this job under interview and the fact that these guys prayed together and I was like this has to be it and so um, mm-hmm. anyway we got home and um, and we were rushing, rushing around and I heard her squeal and I went into the laundry room and uh, she had my class ring it, it was inside the pocket of the pants pocket that we had turned inside out twice and I said I'm going to check one more time and one more time because I was going to it was one of those times where wow. um, it, it's, it it, it's, it's, it's it's not something we missed I mean we turned the pockets inside out twice um, they were hanging upside down and so <laughs> it, and it, it was I, I find, and, and, and but still I was still hard at it and I had told this company that I would let them know by Thursday. And on Thursday morning, I was actually about to call them and accept the job. And uh, my pastor called, and he said, we had deacon nominations last night, and he said, you know, we take the top seven. He said, I just talked to number seven, and he didn't want to be considered this year, so you're number eight, so I need you to consider being uh, in the deacon pool. And uh, I just uh, just froze. I was like, Lord, is you know, is maybe maybe I'm supposed to be a deacon? Maybe that's what it is. And so, um, so I let him put my name on the list and didn't get nominated. Didn't get the deacon nomination, which was great. And then I finally got to that place. I finally got to that place where I said, Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'll never forget. I was an RA leader at the time, and there was a guy working with me, and we were taking a group of kids uh, up to a to a thing. Uh, a, a camp out for the weekend and um, I told him I said Glenn you know I've been friends a long time and I said I just I'm going to let you know that I'm, I'm going to surrender to the ministry and he was driving and he never looked up he never he never he says um, he said, I'm not surprised I'm just unfazed and so uh, it was just continual confirmation and so I guess one of the things that just um, was really astounding was is that I, I surrendered up to the ministry and I visited several schools and, and I, I went to went up to Blue Mountain for the day and, and I liked it and it was close and I could drive up for classes and still work some at the hospital and so um, anyway I drove I drove up there and uh, came back and 
I went by the school to pick up my kids. My pastor was there, and we talked. He said, how'd you like it? And I said, I liked it. I said, I'll have to wait. I'm going to wait till next semester to start so that I can save some money. And uh, he said, well, how much is it? And I said, I think it was like $4,800 plus my books. And so anyway, uh, we, were, we went home, and we were cooking supper, and he showed up at the door that night, and he said, Brother Wes, he said, Somebody stopped by the church this afternoon and handed me a check for $4,800. And, and he said, he said the man said, you'll know where it needs to go. And, wow. And so it was just, it, what? Was, it was one of those things where, you know, it's, uh, and, and, and there's, our life is, there's just a lot of those stories in our life. Um, you know, we, you know, we almost lost our daughter in a car crash. And it was just one of those times where... God showed us who He is. Mm. Over and over. Over and over and over again. Mm. What uh, What made you so convinced long before Wes that it was the ministry? I'm not sure. It was just a feeling, and I kept getting it. You know, I just, um, just, I just, I just knew what His heart was for. What What He, you know, He loved to be involved. He was really involved with RAs and taught Sunday school and and um, you know it, it, God was dealing with us both and I don't know it, it was just a it was just a peace that I had you know I don't I don't really can't explain it mm. I just I just knew it and I I kept seeing him get frustrated and I said why are you fighting it yeah. why do you fight it well I don't know I always say that God has to scream a little louder at me. Then he does Jody. Jody always seems to know. <laughs> Jeremy tends to wrestle with God, so um, the story of it. Jacob really resonates with me. Me too, oh, brother. Me too. Um, Jacob wrestled his entire life with God, and, and and it's not until he really totally surrenders that God gives him his new name and his new identity. And uh, and you know, I think for me, one of the things that I wrestle with on on a, on a daily basis, probably if not hourly, is, um, is is surrendering control to God with with different things. And, and it's not an intentional kind of thing. It's just a, a, you grab it and you don't even know it, you know. And then he, he oftentimes gently, sometimes harshly, reminds you that that's his, you know. Um, well, that's that's incredible. So going into ministry, you guys, you guys make the decision. You're going to go to Bible college and you took a a, a, a bivocational pastor job at that point in time. Right. Correct? Right. Um, and so you go from from just being an oncology nurse and mama to now pastor's wife. Um, and you go from being, you know, radiology tech and daddy to, 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 to pastor. Um, how was that transition? And, uh, and, and how did it differ from what you thought it would be? This is what I thought it would be. This is what it was. It, well, it was di- it was very different than what uh, we thought it would be because we were in a um, we were in a, a growing church. We were in a church that was spiritually strong mm-hmm. um, for our area, a moderate sized community church. Um, it, we probably ran two fifty in Sunday school, so it was a moderate sized community church. Um, but. It was a church where there was a there was a large growth in spirituality. Um, even those friends that we were on that spiritual journey with at the time are still our closest friends. And so, so we went we went to this church. Our first Sunday, there were twelve people there, and then five of them were us. Mm. And it was our first church. It was our first church, and so. Um, and, so and was we, it a plant? A church plant? No, it was no. A, it was a hundred and. 50-year-old church that was very small and um, anyway the um, and God blessed the ministry in spite of us I mean the church grew amazingly I love this like I feel that all the time if God's blessed it's in spite of me right I I tell people all the time and they think I'm joking but it's true I I just try to not get in God's way because I I mean (laughs) you're 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 talking about a, a Sunday school teacher at best that's you know, I learned something new at Bible college, and boy, I'm laying it on. That's right, you're hitting them with it. <laughs> yes, but but anyway, um, and that that was 
the church started growing. I mean, it, it, it literally started growing um, pretty rapidly. Um, and it was amazing that, you know, homecomings in the South are a big deal. Right. And so uh, our first homecoming there um, was was going to be this huge. We had spent all this time, and I had a preacher lined up. We had a quartet lined up to come. Uh, this Sunday, everybody's excited because uh, we found out later that, that they had the church had made the decision that if we didn't come, they were going to close the doors. Wow! That's what we found oh, out down the road. Wow. But anyway, so we uh, we we go there and God blesses and then, and we start growing numerically. We you know we weren't having a lot of spiritual growth, but we were growing numerically. Um, and we were getting ready for this huge homecoming, and the Friday night before homecoming, a tornado comes through the community, uh, and it takes out a lot of the power lines. It destroys the church grounds. It didn't hurt the church, but you couldn't even get to the church. These large oak trees were uprooted and broken, and they're all over the place. And and so. Um, uh, me and my two little boys showed up Saturday morning with our chainsaw, and we're going to at least try to clean the driveway up. And uh, we looked, we looked up, and our friends from Pleasant Hill, which mm. was the church we we're part of, uh, came pulling in. And one of them owns a dirt business, and he had an excavator. And by two o'clock the afternoon, everything was cleaned up, and it just looks amazing. And um, and we're standing outside, everything's cleaned up, and. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe maybe we are going to be able to have homecoming. One of the little ladies, she was like 80 years old, came up. And she said, "Well, brother Wes, we we can't cook. Nobody's got electricity." And one of the men from Pleasant Hill stepped up and he said, "Y'all don't have to worry about that." He said, "Y'all show up for church, and everything's going to be taken care of. We've got a generator coming to run the entire church and all the music. We've got cooks coming." That are going to set up cookers and fix all the lunch for y'all. All you got to do is show up and have your homecoming. And when you get ready for your dinner on the grounds, everything will be ready. And then when you get ready for your singing, the generators will be set up, and y'all can have a good afternoon uh, having your homecoming. And God just proved faithful. And it was it was just it was one of those times. In fact, I was uh, preaching last weekend, um, and the the he's retired now. He's well into his 80s. Uh, this Joe Bryan was this was the uh, bass singer for him. He was at this church, and I said, Joe, you remember when we had to sing with the generator? And he started laughing, and he said, God's good. Mm-hmm. And so, Amen. That's awesome. What about you, Renee? How was it? How was it moving into the realm of of pastor's wife? And maybe maybe describe me some of the emotion you go through when you walk in on the first Sunday, and there's 12 people there, and your family's half of them. Well. It's, um, you know, you, you, you worry that, I, I probably worried some about, um, are we going to be able to fill the shoes that we need to, you know, I was a little immature at that point, you know, spiritually, I'm sure, um, had to learn to share mm-hmm. my husband a lot, mm-hmm. and that was hard, because, you know, we were, we've always been like best friends, and that was kind of hard to learn to do mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot, even a small church has a lot of needs for a pastor. Right. And especially one that's just starting and he thinks he has to do everything. Did that ever stop? Does he, does he, does he, he ever? He did slow down. <laughs> he slowed, it slowed down. <laughs> so yeah. that, you know, that was, um, <clears throat> but I felt like I had to do everything that I needed to do too. So mm-hmm. I think I jumped in with the youth and, because they didn't have any yeah. you know, leaders like that. Because that's what you do. Because that's you know, I felt like I just needed yeah. to do whatever. Yeah. So, um, but it, it was it was good and it was it was a great and amazing to see God take those few people and yeah. bring more. Yeah. So you weren't just sharing him with the church too. He's you know, bivocational he's, means he's working another job exactly. and he's going to school. Yeah. And, right. and it was a lot. So yeah. And, and listen, I I get it. You know. I'm a pastor now and praise God I've got some staff and I've got some part-time employees and and we we try to guard the hours that they spend at the church but there's no part-time ministry position and I know that you know we I don't want them to work more than the number of hours we're paying them for but uh, you know one of our part-time employees Courtney is here with us on this trip and um, I can tell you right now she puts in more hours and and I, I wish she wouldn't 
Right. But that's you get into ministry because you have a burden for the people. That's right. And uh, you know who cares at the end of the day what the IRS says. Right. Um, and uh, and so yeah, I mean I, I totally get that. And and I don't think at our first church you had any deacons. I didn't, I didn't have any deacons. Yeah. So. Well, he was, that's he was, was the. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> and, All you deacons out there, don't be offended. And we <laughs> learned that you know we as family learned when he had his door shut at home to his office. Don't interrupt. You know, yeah. so we had to learn a few things. Yeah, one afternoon I was in my study um, praying and getting ready for service. I had the window up and um, my little boy Tyler was in the yard playing and one of the guys from the church stopped by and he said, Hey boy, is your daddy home? And he said, Yeah, but he's praying, so don't bother him. <laughs> <laughs> the door was shut. We didn't try to bother him because he was studying. He's <laughs> That's phenomenal. How did the kids do with yeah. that transition? The the first church, um, it's really hard to look back. They were the only ones there for a while, they were the only and, children. and they mm-hmm. and we we saw some growth, and so uh, that was good. When we went to the second church, when we went to Fernbank, um, there were some youth there. The church was a, a good bit larger, um, more structured, and um, the. Um, there were more kids there, and so, um, but they didn't have a youth leader. So, uh, Renee stepped up and became the youth leader, and and mm-hmm. you know she she can talk about uh, she can say that um, um, I was the gung ho one, but she, she being the youth leader and also working, she would uh, she planned youth trips and outings, and so she was she was as a busybody as I was, and the. Um, the youth became very dependent on her because mm-hmm. she was not only a youth leader, but she was a mama figure mm-hmm. to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those kids, well, they're grown-ups today, are very, they have a heart for her because she ministered to them at a time in their life where it was very, very needed. One of the things we talk about with everybody that you guys have mentioned a couple times, it, it has to do with expectations. Um, you know, when you when you go to a church of any size and you're the pastor uh, and what we found is or the pastor's wife uh, or the pastor's kids, we found all of this, <laughs> is that there are expectations that are kind of placed upon you. One of the things, Wes, we mentioned uh, a couple podcasts ago with the D-Hearts was just the spiritual gifts, especially in a, in a small church mm-hmm. setting. Um, where you don't have a bunch of other staff. They expect you to have the gift of hospitality and the gift of teaching and the gift of leadership and the gift of wisdom and administration and mercy and fill in the gaps. Like you just go through the list of Romans 12 and that's what they expect you to have. Um, and there's no one that has all of those gifts. That's right. Um, and so, those, but nonetheless, the expectations are still there, right? Mm-hmm. To remember everybody's name and be at every hospital visit and go see somebody in their home and make sure that, that you know, you're aware of everything that's going on in the church. Um, and then the other part of that expectation, Renee, that we talked about with some pastors, which is so interesting, is a lot of times you all feel the expectation that when there's a, something that's fallen through the cracks in the church, either either us as husbands will look at you and go, can you? <laughs> right? Because it needs to get done. We had, we had uh, Megan DeHart actually said, you know, we're expected to play the piano and sing, you know, in every church that we're at. We, and that's kind of a little more old school, but we kind of joke about that. But Jody has, has done everything from women's ministry to children's ministry to youth, youth and stuff that, that, that I don't even know about probably. But um, how do you, first of all, where do you think those expectations come from? Uh, and and we've gotten some insight from some other families about this. But where do you think those expectations come from, and how do you how do you manage those expectations? I, I think they're twofold. Um, I think that there is an, an amount of expectations by the church, uh, but I think, and I think you know as well as I do, that we place a lot of those expectations on ourselves. Right. And mm-hmm. and I think you know, and Renee's very wise, and she would tell me, um, you know, from time to time. You know, sweetheart, they don't expect you to do that. They don't expect you to do everything. But um, sometimes I didn't listen well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do. We there are there are some in the church that place pretty high expectations on a pastor. That you know, every time you know they call for on, you know, you need to check on them. And and mm-hmm. and there are those that there are those that will literally wear you out um, in the ministry if you allow that. 
but I think for me, um, I placed a huge expectation on myself because I felt like I needed to, I needed to model some 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 of the, my predecessors. I needed to model the. I'm a bivocational pastor, but I'm trying to model the ministry of a full-time pastor that um, had more, much more talents and much more time than I did. And so I think it's a, I think it's a twofold. And I, I, I learned that when we went to our our the third church we served when I went to community, uh, that was uh, a phenomenal, it was a phenomenal church when we got there. And they, the deacon body, they were strong. Um, five of the of the active seven could go to the pulpit at any given time uh, and, and teach or preach. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was very strong. And they, uh, they did not place high expectations on us at all. Uh, in fact, they sought to take some of those expectations away. You know, they would say, you know, if somebody's sick, let us go check on them. They, they, they very supportive. They were very, awesome. very supportive. And, and I, let me like, like they're supposed to be. like they're supposed to be. Right. Uh, let me let me give you a great example of the of the caliber of these guys. So um, we I went to serve there. Was there um, for about three months, uh, and our eighteen year old daughter comes home and says she's pregnant. And so uh, I met with the deacons and I told them that I would I would step down because I didn't want to hurt the ministry of the church. Um, and uh, one of our deacons stepped up and his exact words were, that's not happening. Um, we're going to love y'all through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, then uh, three of the seven in that room shared, you know, it had either happened to them and their wife mm-hmm. or it happened to their children. And they said, there's no way that you're going to step down from this position. You know, mm-hmm. um, they, they, but they, they continuously said, we're going to love y'all through this. And, and I think that was a pivotal point for my ministry because as a daddy, I was hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but they showed grace and they mm-hmm. showed maturity. They, they, they took away... Uh, I had an expectation that I needed to resign, and they took that expectation away mm-hmm. and replaced it with grace. And so, that's that's awesome. Awesome. it was yeah. a pretty, it was a pretty neat. They were a good example of Jesus to us. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. away. That's awesome. What about you, Renee? How do you manage those expectations? <laughs> better now than in yeah, the early it's better years. Now. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, because I used to have a I used to have a hard time being put back on the back burner, mm-hmm. and I felt that way a lot when he was trying to do way more than he probably should have on his own, you know. Mm-hmm. But as I matured, which you know that that came with uh, experience and and um, just just changes as you grow and. Mm-hmm. Start putting self aside more. Mm-hmm. Um, I started feeling more of the love for people that he had. I don't think I had it as much as he had at first. Mm-hmm. I think I grew into that. Mm-hmm. And um, the you love for burdens. Right. Huh? You had to walk there on your own. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, and because um, at first I think I was a little more selfish than I should have been. I'm just saying it's maybe. True. Yeah, because that in you. <laughs> well, I, I, I've overcome that. Yeah. With God's help, and um, sure. but uh, you know, as I grew, as I grew spiritually, we grew together. It, it it was more, and and plus the supportiveness of the church we ran at that point. Mm-hmm. It was it was not so hard, you know. One of the things we hear, it, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that we hear from from couples is uh, at various points in their marriage. Um, and I think most of them that we've talked with have come kind of come through that. But they feel like their husband is married to the church more than he's married to them. That, that's, that was at first. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things, I think it's super important you say that. And I think it's so, I, I think it's so wonderful on, on a lot of levels that you're talking about how, you know, it was selfish to me and all that kind of stuff. But I do also think that sometimes as us as pastors, we have to recognize that. Uh, we have to recognize a really hard truth, and that is uh, we can be replaced at the church. Somebody else can come along and do what we do. Yeah. And probably, be honest with you, do it better. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm the only husband she gets. That's right. Hopefully. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm the only daddy my kids are going to get. Right. And, uh, and so uh, what, what I always talk to young pastors about when I talk about this is there's not enough hours in the day to do it all. You're going to cheat something, right? Something is going to get left out. You just make a decision to leave out work and, and, and to go, I'm going to give it, I'm only going to give it 60 hours this week, you know, or whatever it is. Um, and, and that's something that I think we have to fight really hard to do because it's easy. If I don't, Wes, you can address this maybe. It's easy to go, well, I'm doing God's work. That's right. That's right. Right. So, and, 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 I, and, and I, I wear the guilt for feeling better. Yeah. Right. right. And, and these wives bear the guilt. Absolutely. Bear the guilt. How dare I ask to pull we, you away from that? We right. actually had a, we actually were uh, kind of in a difficult place early in my ministry. Um, it was one of those times where I, we were, the church, had, the, our first church, we had grown to the point we needed another building, and so we were in a building program. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was doing a lot of construction, and, and we were we were in a... Time out. This concept is something that is only unique to churches. Yes. Think, think about this. Yes, yes. If, if we go, we need a new school building, the principal didn't go, hand me my saw. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> in ministry, we're like, where's my hammer? That's right. It's insane. Okay, go ahead. So we're in, the, we're, in, we're, in the middle, we're in the middle of this building program, and I'm doing a lot of the... I mean, I was... I, yeah. I'd work General on, contractor. Yeah, I'm the general contractor. And all the subs. And, and so... Uh, and and it, it, it caused it caused hardship. Yeah. And God blessed me in my early in my early ministry. Um, there was a retired pastor in our church, and I literally sat at his feet mm-hmm. for probably four or five years and learned more from him than I ever learned in school. Isn't and true? Yeah. And always oh, such a godly man. And I remember going to him, and and I guess I was kind of at that place where you know she doesn't understand you know ministry, she didn't understand the ministry and mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget his words he said um, brother Wes don't ever forget God gave you a family before he gave you a church that's right um, and that was pretty humbling you know that that statement uh, came from such a wise man that um, God gave you a family before He gave you a church, and and kind of at that point, I started trying to slow down yeah. um, the the process. We did a really healthy activity when I was in seminary. We had to do this practical ministry class, which is not super practical, but we had basically we sat. It was about ten of us, and we sat with a pastor from our community, and um, and it just happened to be my pastor, it was Al Meredith. Uh, who we mentioned a couple podcasts ago but we're sitting there and Al said here's what I want you to do as homework he said I want you to get a piece of paper out and I want you to write down um, kind of a, a, a mission statement for your life this is what I want to do with my life kind of thing and he said I want, now I want you to list out your priorities one to whatever number one is, number two is, number three is and his, his point was pretty clear your relationship with God needs to be number one and it's easy to confuse your work for God as your relationship with God. Right. And, and so he said, I want you, you know, number one needs to be your relationship with God. Number two probably needs to be your relationship with your spouse if you're married. Number three it needs to probably be your kids. And then somewhere down the line, it's your job. And you just need to make sure you keep, he made us write it down, type it out, and, and sign it at the bottom and give a copy to our spouse. And he said, now, when she, she has a right, anytime you get these out of whack, to hold you accountable to this list. Wow. And I thought it was so helpful because it was you could see it on paper, right? Here's, here's what it is because there, there's a difference between what I do uh, you know, as a job and, and how I lead God's people. It's a calling, of course, but my relationship with God is something different, and my relationship with my spouse has to come before my, my, my profession, my job. Well, I think sometimes uh, I, I've seen it in a lot of young pastors and experienced it too. Is that um, sometimes we feel like that uh, everything is on our shoulders? Oh yeah, right. Those, it's all to us. Yeah, and you know, when you're young in the ministry, you'll go after hell with a water pistol. You know, until you realize that you're relying on your own strength. And and I think that's. If, if a lot of young pastors would take the opportunity to listen 
to those that have gone before them. You know, even those that are still serving, but mm-hmm. to listen to the to the wisdom of mm-hmm. those that have have walked right at least a few miles. That it would it would sure take care. It would sure take away a lot of, of pain. It would take away take away a lot of confusion. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like you said, it's we see so many men that are bailing in ministry nowadays. Uh, you wonder how many of those could be averted had they just had um, somebody that had walked that walked right. that road uh, that could share uh, some things with them. Well, the thing that I think happens is happening in our society is we see the. The, the 1% of pastors that that grow their church in a couple of years to, to mega church status and their prominence. And I think that's awesome for them, but it's such a small minority. And so when you come out of the gate hot expecting that, um, I think the most important term or phrase I ever heard was from Bill Hybels when he was talking on this, on this subject. And Bill said that you're. In, he wanted to remind young pastors that you're in a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And that in a marathon, you have to pace yourself. That's true. And I think that's such an important thing for a young pastor to hear. And it doesn't make sense when you're 25. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. I, I get that it doesn't make sense. But but when you go when when you burn out in the first five years of ministry, in the first ten years of ministry, because you're burning it at both ends, then then what happens 20 years from that point is that you're out of the game. Right. And and one of the things we say over and over again on, on the podcast is, I'm just not enough to believe that if God called you to the ministry, it's because he wanted you in the game. And, and if you're not in the game, we're not helping, right? right. So you're in a marathon, not a sprint. I think that's important uh, to, to hear. I, I want to ask... I'm sorry, Jody, you're going to say something? I, I was going to transition to something, but go ahead. Well, I was going to transition to something. Do you think think maybe we're gonna transition to the same uh, thing? We should say that three. One. All right, we, like, All right, here we go. Play best out of three or no, no, just first. One, two, three, shoot or one, yeah. two, shoot. One, two, three. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, shoot. That's oh, what we're okay. doing anyway. I want to Okay, um, transition to me from going to from from full time uh, working in a hospital, uh, part time bivocational pastor to MDM Honduras. How, how do we make? I mean, because basically, uh, one of the things you did was let's, we're gonna walk away from a career, walk away from significantly more money probably than you're making now, and 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 you're gonna go and you're gonna full time lead gringos like me and my church up into the mountains to minister to the folks up there. What what was a part of that transition? And Renee, how did you play a part in that? Were you were you for that or or? Is that a hard transition? It was. It was a little difficult because of the and uh, the thing about insurance and sure. money, logistics. Uh, yeah. The we still have to live life, things. right? And um, our son is in college, and but I kept telling him, whatever God is telling you to do, I'll, I'll back you up. Mm. And awesome. I and I did. And how'd that, how'd that go? Because when I first met you. You weren't full time with MDM. No, I, I, our church, uh, Community Baptist, um, we sent teams with MDM for several years, and the team leader would always say, "Come go with us, come go with us." And as a bivocational pastor, there's just that you don't have that extra time. And so finally, 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 after several years, I conceded, uh, and I came. And when I got here, um, there was just this overwhelming burden. A burden that I had not felt uh, since being called to the ministry, and I just had this sense that uh, God wanted me uh, ministering here. And um, I tried to—I kind of tried to write it off, like I did when I when I started um, preaching. And um, and so I went back and I talked to Jim, and and Jim's very wise, and he said, you know, you need to spend some time praying about it. And so for about nine months. I struggle with it because one of the things that was so difficult was um, I'd been at community for 10 years and I had all intentions of retiring at community. They're just that, they're just an awesome faith family. And so the idea of walking away from that church was just, uh, it was tough. It was mm-hmm. tough. And so for nine months, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, and I finally got a piece. Um, I finally got a piece about stepping away. And so I stepped away. Um, I led my first team in April of 2014, 
uh, was my first team. It was Holly United Methodist Church from Pennsylvania. Um, and so I started bringing uh, three, four, five teams a year uh, down for gym. Um, and our goal was to begin transitioning to take over for him. And the plan was to get Will, our youngest son, through college before I made that transition because um, we would we would have been at a better place financially to have made that transition. Um, and then in the fall of um, 2018, uh, Jim's kidneys crashed on him, and um, and I so I began to pray about it because the doctors were saying he re, he didn't need to come back to Honduras, and so uh, I began to pray about it, and I just I had a peace about it, and so um, I didn't know how to I didn't know how we would make it happen. I didn't have any idea how we'd make it happen, and so. Um, uh, Jim sent out an email to uh, a group called the Legacy Sponsors, uh, and in about six weeks, they had they had raised enough support to uh, to bring me to the field. And so, um, so in February of this year, um, I walked away from a, a cardiology job that I'd been in for 20 years, um, and began to do this full time and God's blessed it's been um, we I just got back um, just a few weeks ago from five weeks down here with um, with uh, teams from uh, Texas and Missouri and uh, Pennsylvania and um, California uh, came back for a couple of weeks came back to the states for a couple of weeks and now I'm back here with uh, team crosswinds <laughs> Uh, so uh, how's it been the first you're literally like five or six months into it How, how's it been it's been it's been awesome it's yeah. been um, it, it, it's it's very difficult it's so it's such a different ministry from pastoral ministry um, <laughs> but it is it is it's so unique and in many respects um, I think that I'm, I'm better equipped to do it have, because I've served as a pastor mm. um, I think that that equipped me to do uh, this this ministry and I'm, and I'm looking forward to to the future I'm looking forward to, to new teams and um, because the transformation process for team members is pretty phenomenal and that's one of the things that I love to watch is just like listening to the to the girls tonight listening to them share uh, how God revealed himself um, it's you never get tired of that. No. You never get tired of hearing people talk about God revealing Himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Renee? How has it been, the transition? It's been pretty smooth. Um, he's been gone a lot. That's been kind of hard, you know, uh, like the long month, a little over a month the time he was gone. That was kind of hard, but I made it. So I guess, Yeah. you know, I guess that's going to be all right. And the, the bangs we're hearing in the background are, are fireworks, we're just going to say? Yeah, we're going to say the fireworks. We're going to say the fireworks. I hope that we get to hear those on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Every night we hear... I should yell back. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Need to move away from the window, maybe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, just a couple more questions. Um, one of the things that we ask everybody is this. We, we talk about, and we've already talked about, the next generation of pastors and and, and wanting folks to stay in the game. It, it, for both of you, if there was something that you could speak into the life of the next generation pastor, the next generation pastor's family, uh, what, is it, what is it that you would say to them? If, if it were me, uh, I would say first and foremost to focus on your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. To... Uh, I don't like you really like using the word relationship. I really like using the word commitment. You know, focus on your commitment to Christ, uh, but then really, really focus on your commitment to your spouse. Um, Renee and I had been married for about 17 years, um, and we felt like our marriage was great, and we had the opportunity to go through the dynamic marriage. Um, and it just it radically changed our marriage. It made us realize uh, how important, how beautiful, how unique, how special marriage is. And for the last 12, fixing to be 13 years since then, 
um, our marriage has just blossomed. I mean, we're we're still honeymooning, and it's and and I'll tell you, it's life and ministry is better when everything is good at home. Um, when you know, if if my marriage if if my marriage was not strong. I would not be so eager to come to Honduras for five weeks and leave sure. her home. Yeah, sure. um, but I know she's a prayer warrior, so I know when I'm here, she's praying for me. Um, one of the things that I would stress to young pastors is um, learn to pray with your wife. Mm-hmm. Learn to spend time praying with your wife. Um, there have been there have been a lot of most nights when we pray and, and we don't pray every night together because um, I'm, I'm bad to go to sleep first so um, but a, a lot of nights we do pray together and um, she, we're, we're very different in that I do I'm an early riser so I do my study prayer time early in the morning she does hers late at night and so um, anyway but on the nights that we pray together um, most of the time I'll, I'll pray and but there are a lot of nights that we come to bed and lay down and she just recognizes the burden she knows she recognizes that something's going on and and she'll roll over and put her arm around me and she'll say let me pray tonight and and it's just the fact that she she's so close to god that she recognizes what i need and so um but focus on focus on your commitment to christ and focus on on the strength of your marriage make make your spouse a priority your kids the kids are going to fall in their place they're they're, they're going to get their place they're going to get their time because you got to go to the school and you got to go to the to the football field the baseball field the soccer, the soccer field whatever so they're going to get their time but most of the time our spouses get what's left over of us and it's and if and i look back over ministry and that's probably one of the greatest regrets i have is that there were a whole lot of days a whole lot of weeks that um that she got leftovers that she didn't deserve, and so if I could go back and change things, that would probably be something. That would probably be one of the things that I would do is is don't spend so much try, time trying to meet expectations. Spend time, um, you, you know. Ezekiel uh, used the God used the uh, called Ezekiel's wife the desire of his eyes, mm-hmm. and I think as pastors that we we don't ever need to lose that passion for our spouse. They are they should be the desire of our eyes. Mm-hmm. And to keep that, to keep that light, because as you said when we started this, everybody's looking at us. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking at us, and the reality is that we're going to have those disagreements. But the one thing that I want the world to see, I want the world to know, is that I love my wife with all of my heart. Mm-hmm. Renee, what would you say? I would also say a lot of what he said, but, <laughs> I, but I do. I think the biggest thing is praying together, and putting God first and remembering you're married to the spouse instead of the, you know, instead of married to the people, mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. um, um, and and always remember that your spouse is a human, mm-hmm. that you're not yeah. on a pedestal. Yeah. Don't put, you know, remember that he can make mistakes. Remember she can make mistakes and be forgiving and understanding and and um, you know, but praying together is is so important, you know. And um, it is, you know. And and don't just try to live a life that you think everyone else wants you to live. Mm-hmm. Be open, transparent. Be mm-hmm. be be. Oh, human. It's human, you know. Be okay. It's okay. You're gonna make mistakes. Right. You saying that about recognizing your spouse as human, I think it's something that does need to be reminded to pastors wives because we we get caught up in hearing the expectations and the view of our spouse through the the church not just the congregation but the capital c church and we sometimes get jaded eyes and things as well so that's you know that's a big reminder of you know they're going to they're going to forget to put this toilet seat down or you know those simple things like and for the pastors don't forget your wife is human Amen. Yes. She is gonna get jealous. She is gonna, right? You know, she is gonna feel sad, Slighted, yeah, lived yeah. out. So, right. you know, is a good word. Remember, remember those. Yeah. Remember we, that we're humans. We say sometimes that uh, that you need to remember you you didn't marry Jesus. 
Right? There's only one Jesus. And perfect. as long as you're expecting your spouse to be Jesus, you'll end up putting them on a cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that spouse like Jesus yeah, loves That's church. right. That's right. So you guys have been a part of the Capital C Church in terms of um, what I want to just recap your ministry. So you were a part of a church that um, I'm guessing through a small group slash Sunday school session has continued to be your prayer warriors, your support, because um, you said they came and helped you in your first church with that um the generators and the, the tornado and such and, and then you have that first church of people that you minister to followed by the second and then the third and and then I would assume you would see I I see from you an extension of the capital C church with not just MBM but all the churches you've connected through with that and also through this um couples ministry if that you have now um just like you didn't just go through that you now are able to actually present that material to others yeah Yeah, facilitate that so um what has been um despite all the hard work we've talked about with ministry what has been something that has just been like a wow god or a a, an amazing thing you when you look back on what you've experienced through expanding your church your your family <laughs> our our experience with leading the marriage classes yeah. has yeah. been the most it's exciting to me to see marriages restored and blossom and because that is the church yeah the families and that's what the devil wants to destroy the most agree and agree. to see people couples nearly to the point of i can't stand each other they don't stand can't stand each other coming out renewed and I don't know it's just beautiful mm-hmm. we, we had a we had a couple that that went through um, the next to the last class that we did that were going into the empty nest syndrome and they were as they were as far apart as right is and left they their kids were their common denominator uh, he worked she stayed home and um, they went through the and, and they they were poised for divorce. It was just it was just one of those ticking clocks, and they went through the class, um, and that's been three years ago. And they're honeymoon. They're still honeymooning. And one of their one of their sons is the same age as our son, and and he was at the house, and he said, I don't know what's happening, to my mom and daddy. Um, and they've just fallen in love all over again. They're dating. They're doing this. Yeah, and that. they're going on dates and. Um, and it's just it's neat. They've been married neat. a long time. That's uh, beautiful. And, and, Probably but, almost forty years. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so it's awesome. And you guys are getting ready to celebrate an anniversary. Thirty years. We got thirty years in about a week and a half. About a week and a half. Congratulations. <laughs> That's Incredible. exciting. Incredible. have a couple questions we ask everybody the podcast called unremarkable and so we like to ask folks that come and join us uh, about what is remarkable and who is remarkable so share this what's now what what's remarkable and who's remarkable to you guys who is remarkable you know when you mentioned that earlier i've I've been sitting here thinking (laughs) there are so many people yeah that's right there's so many people that are remarkable but there's one person that really really stands out uh and that's renee's mama Mm. She, um, when Renee's seven years older than I am, and she had two kids, and, and when we started dating, her mama made the statement, uh, all you need is one more kid to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we started dating, uh, and we got married, and she's, Renee started putting me through college, um, and Renee's daddy had a heart attack, and so... I managed the farm on top of going cutting hay and rolling hay and everything while I was in extra school, and uh, and then the the gardening. I worked the garden and everything, and um, we'd been married about two years, and we got into a big argument one Sunday afternoon, and she went to her mama's and was telling her mama how bad a person I was, and her mama said, "If you can't live with him, you can't live with nobody." And Aww. But the thing that was the thing that the thing that was so remarkable about her is, um, for the majority of her marriage, she lived with a drunk, and she believed in him, and she prayed for him, and um, 
she passed away seven years ago. Um, and uh, the husband that she prayed for today is saved and is wow. praying for his wow. kids and his grandkids. Wow, that's so cool. She um, she was a uh, she was she's just an unsung hero. Mm-hmm. She a factory worker, um, mm, uh, a, a staple in her church. Just simple and. Um, but she never, from the time we got married, she she never treated me like anything but a son, and mm-hmm. just a remarkable, remarkable yeah. lady. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have a what? What? What is what the what that is unremarkable? The what is is remarkable? Yeah. What what is remarkable? Plenty things that are unremarkable. Mm-hmm. What is? I want to know what's awesome. What is remarkable is the fact that that God would choose to allow me to serve, that God would allow me the opportunity to be right here, right now, with the people of God, serving the people of God. We should have made him go last. I know. (laughs) Now I'm going to mention some food or something like that. I was going to say baleadas, but I'm marking that out now. All right, Renee, what is remarkable to you? Wes. Our journey has been amazing. It started amazing, and I look forward to many years. I hope God will bless us with many more years. Mm-hmm. And uh, say it again, what's the second question? That's a, who's, a, who's a what? What is remarkable? What's remarkable? Something that you... Just just how everything came together, our lives, our... Yeah. How, what, how God is using yeah. us. You know, I, I don't go as much as he goes, but... Somebody's got to stay home and hold forward. Somebody's got to mow the grass, things, right? And, yeah. and I, do, I do that. Had <laughs> a girl. Um, but it's just, it's it's just amazing. Yeah. That's that's my word. Amazing. Yeah. Life. All right. Do we do we even want to go? I don't want to go now. Yeah, that is nice. Well, my who is pretty cool. Uh, all right. Tell me your. Let's do it. Let's let's do who's. Okay. And then we need to wrap this up. Okay. We've gone long. Okay, my who, because um, I, I got to speak about her tonight and hear other people speak about her, is Michelle. Michelle. Um, Michelle is one of our um, new friends here in Honduras in San Matias, um, and she just radiates God's love and joy. She is just a treasure, and, um, and as Wes shared with us tonight, there's plenty of reasons why she could not be that way. She could be, um, you know depressed or angry or bitter but she comes with a happy heart and she serves and she um, loves her community um, as much as in, as her own family and um, she's just a delight she's yeah. my who I, yeah. I want to be like Michelle <laughs> <laughs> well I'm I'm going to Jesus juke all y'all mm. and my who is the lady that cooks us dinner every every year she's pretty special yes I'll she tell you. is good night and uh, <laughs> Yeah. Like we, so, every night we're staying at this this B and B here in Tegucigalpa, Econo something, Econo B and B, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and every night this woman comes in and cooks us authentic Honduran meals. Yes. So tonight we had some kind of fried tilapia. We've had baleados. I think tomorrow it's uh, pupusas, which sounds nasty, but we're gonna eat it. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. Lots of beans, lots of plantains. Yes. Uh, so anyway, that's it. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, uh, we'll go back to food. That's where I always gravitate <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, that was my what is um, shade grown coffee. Oh, shade grown, you know. shade grown coffee. And if you then drink it, like Folgers yes, and Maxwell House, yes. shame on you. And 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 <laughs> we'll tell you by the end of this. By the end of this, we'll tell you where you can go buy some yes. that supports the ministries at MDM. Yes, so right. that that will be able. That's you go right. buy it, and, and and then probably somebody will mule it back into the United States so we can get it to you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, legally, everything's legal, binding, and. <laughs> All rights reserved, copyright, do not be used without express written consent of Major League Baseball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, anyway, there's my disclaimer. Because uh, I love, we, we ate this bean dip in this, this uh, Anafres. 
Yeah. And it was amazing. And we bought it and it like a potpourri jar. It looks like a big potpourri jar. Now you jar. can make your own. That's well, right. Need the recipe. It, it's a stretch. Just because we have the materials doesn't mean we can cook the beans. <laughs> uh, but we are going to try it. Going to try it. Yeah, we're yeah. going to try it. Uh, well, y'all, thank you so much for yes. taking time out of here. I know that we've been working all day, and you guys are probably just as tired as anybody else, probably more so. You have to put up with all of, our, all of us yahoos. And so uh, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us. I can't wait uh, to get back. The, the reports from everybody else uh, about what they what they think about what it is you had to say. I know that what you had to say will will affect uh, the lives of some other folks, and so I'm excited about that. And uh, in the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, well, first of all, we're going to ask some favors of you. You can go to our podcast on Apple, wherever you get it, Spotify. We want you to like like it and give us a good review because I don't do well or sleep well when there's bad reviews. Four stars so, are up. Four stars or higher. Uh, I'd prefer five, <laughs> uh, but whatever. Um, and if somebody wants to put six to balance out, you know, some of the low ones. But anyway... Um, <laughs> We appreciate that. You can go there. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us via email. I am Jeremy at crosswindchurch.net. J-G-A-P-2-0, jgap20 at gmail.com. If you want to find us on Instagram, it is Powell Jeremy or... Chasing the Wild Goose 20. Chasing the Wild Goose 20. And we're on Facebook as well. And uh, Wes, if someone wanted to get information about MDM Honduras, is there a website they need to go to? MDMHonduras.org. .org, mdmhunters.org, and there they can find a link to order nice shade grown coffee. They can. All the proceeds go to support MDM Hunters and the work they're doing is now 100 and how many kids? 138. 138 kids spread out over a couple different communities in the San Matias region. That's correct. Of, uh, of Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and so that's super, super exciting. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, do you have an email address they can reach at? Uh, Jones at mdmhunters.org. There you go. All right. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.